muffins and so on. Um, so this is um, this is an introduction to a new program that is actually going to be. Um, they're probably going to correct me on all this stuff. <laughs> housed, it will be housed, or be, you'll be able to access it through, it'll be housed in Blackboard, okay? So it's called Ally. Um, now, you're actually getting a preview, which was not necessarily supposed to be a preview because we thought the announcement about this was going to come out before this session, but what the heck, so you're on the, you're on the front end of the curve. It, yes, exactly, you're on the cutting edge here. Almost the bleeding edge. <laughs> um, so uh, we have two people here who are going to talk about this product from two different perspectives. So Angie Millman, who is with Disability Support Services, or do you have a director? Yes. yes, director of Disability Support Services. So, um, and Heidi Trotter, who is with TLTC. Um, and so this is actually this. Well, they're going to tell you what it does, but it, it uh, addresses accessibility issues of materials and so on in our courses. So Angie's going to start us off um, and talk about that, the, the DSS perspective, and then Heidi will actually show you the tool and how it works and so on. There will be other workshops and sessions about this, so um, and we might have to do more ourselves. So, all right. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for coming this morning. I'm Angie Millman. I'm Director of Disability Sports Services. Um, I'm just going to provide a quick background about our office in case you haven't interacted. Uh, disability Support Services works with students who choose to identify as having a disability, and that can be anything from a learning disability, psychiatric disability, uh, chronic medical, attention deficit, um, sensory such as hearing or visual impairment, uh, mobility, pretty much anything under the Americans with Disability Act that is considered a disability, they can register with our office. And then what we do is, you know, we talk with the student, we look at their accommodation history, we look at their documentation, we look at their courses, and we determine what, uh, what kinds of accommodations or modifications are necessary in order for them to have equal access to our programs and services within the university. Um, so a lot of what that means on the faculty end is you might see a letter of accommodation, hopefully at the beginning of the semester, sometimes not, um, that says these are the accommodations that disability services says that I need in order to um, have equal access. And it could be things like extra time on testing or testing in a different distraction reduced environment. Um, could be things like use of a class note taker or a digital recorder to help with obtaining the lecture. Um, one of the more challenging accommodations historically has been um, accessible course materials. Um, at one point in the very recent past, we had a pretty large population of students with visual disabilities or who were completely blind. Um, and for them, obtaining their course materials in an accessible format was absolutely essential. Um, they couldn't read a textbook. We had to find an alternative. They couldn't read the handouts that you hand out in class. We had to have that digitally uh, available in a digital form and accessible digital form. Um, so that's kind of how I um, was working with TLTC a lot uh, in terms of you know working with what can we do to help make materials more accessible, to help give faculty the ability um, to to know whether or not their materials are accessible, and to give them workshops and tips and strategies so that they. And uh, you know, assess where their documents are and what needs to be done in order to make materials accessible. Uh, so, I've worked with Heidi a lot in the past. We've done different workshops on what accessibility is, what universal design is, etc. And then this um, spring, I believe, uh, I got introduced into this tool with Blackboard Ally, and I'm excited to see 
the demo and see as it rolls out, because what this does, as Heidi will explain, is really gives faculty a lot of information so that you are able to assess the accessibility of your materials that you post onto Blackboard and not only know how little or a lot accessible they are, but also what steps you can take to make them more accessible. And then on the student end of that, what that means is that students will have at their fingertips a lot of different formats that can help to improve their own learning. You know, if I'm a student with dyslexia and I don't process the written word as well as I process auditorily, with a click of a button now, I can get that document on Blackboard available in an audio format. That's a game changer. And that took many, many steps sometimes <laughs> to make that happen before. And now it can happen much more quickly and easily. So I'm excited to see uh, this product launch and you know, here to support in whatever way I can. Okay, so um, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk to you about two things. One, I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction to universal design, if you're not familiar with that. And then I'm going to talk to you about, uh, just like Angie, I'm just so excited about this new tool that we have um, in Blackboard that supports um, the philosophy of universal design. Uh, I agree, it's gonna be um, an amazing tool, especially for um, students. We all know that everybody learns differently, right? And um, we have a number of diverse learners in our classrooms, and this tool, um, Ally, supports that. So first I wanna to talk to you a little bit about universal design. So when we think of students um, that, um, that have special needs. We think of those that are on the either end of the spectrum. Something that we can easily recognize a disability such as visual impairment or, or something um, with hearing or on the other end of the spectrum we think of um, students that have a learning disability such as dyslexia. But the, the fact is that there's learners way in between that because it is um, a spectrum, so everybody falls somewhere along that line. And I personally believe that we all have a disability. There's all things, um, there's many things that we do well in each for each one of us, those are different. And there's things that each one of us can do a little bit differently. Um, and we struggle with that and we work really hard sometimes to overcome those. But those are different for each one of us and that's the same as in the classroom. So there's this principle called universal design. And what that is, is considering the needs of the broadest range of students from the very beginning, right? And this from the beginning is, is the little key phrase here that I'm gonna pick up on it and talk to you a little bit more about that. Right, so universal design, um, its background is more in architectural design, right? And, um, in the very beginning, historically, people tried to retrofit buildings so that they would accommodate um, people that had um, a, some type of physical um, impairment so that they needed to get into the building, they would put these ramps up, things like that, right? And it was expensive to retrofit um, a building and in addition, it didn't really look that great. Sometimes the person had to go in through the back entrance, you know, that type of thing. And so it wasn't seamless. And um, so this concept of universal design came about, and this is a really good example. A 
Okay, so if you take a look at this, that this building has really wide spaces, right? So all kinds of people, people in um, a wheelchair, but also people that have a stroller, you know, um, can get around and it's part of the space. And so for something like this to have been created, it had to be thought of in the very beginning when they were first putting together the plans for the building and it had to be planned for, right? So we're taking that concept of universal design and we're applying it to the classroom. And that's, yeah, that would be great. That's why it's called universal design for learning. There's three principles. And I'm not gonna dwell on in any detail on these principles because I wanna jump to the tool pretty soon, but. I want to make sure that, that you um, have a little bit of an idea what this involves. So simple, actually, um, and the key word here is multiple, all right? So it's providing multiple ways of providing the material to students in, in multiple forms. It's providing multiple ways for students to engage with that material. And it's also providing multiple ways for them to express what they know. Right? So for an example, is that if we provide everything in a course um, in a written format, then a student that's a good reader and a good writer will probably do better than a student that's a visual learner. Right? And I, I think we can kind of pretty much agree to that. So the principle here with universal design for learning is to provide materials in different formats so that the visual learner or the kinetic learner or the auditory learner can then um, also engage with the material in a different way. And what actually happens is it really benefits everyone. Because what I found when I incorporated these principles into a course I was teaching was that everybody liked the different formats. They might prefer one, but if they struggled with, let's say, um, a scholarly article, they appreciated the opportunity to listen to the video, perhaps on the researcher that wrote the article, and then they were able to go back and digest the scholarly article in a different way, or to engage with the article in a different way. So that's an example. So what I want to now talk to you a little bit about, and I'm gonna show you, um, is Blackboard Ally, all right? And so it takes that concept of universal design and it makes it more visual and it provides alternate formats for students to use um, to access course materials. All right, so what it does is it doesn't change in any way the original format of the material that you've uploaded. All right, so let's say that you've uploaded a Word document, right, and maybe these are some study notes that students can use. So what it does is it takes a look at that format and it provides for students alternate formats based on the original, right? So for example, is it often provides um, an HTL um, format and that's great for students that are using mobile phones. Um, it provides an electronic braille format and that's great for students that are visually impaired. And then it provides, which I'm the most excited about, is I think this is amazing, is the audio format. Okay, so what it'll do is it'll take that Word document and it'll provide an, an audio format for students to listen to. 
so they can listen to it in the car, they can listen to it in the gym, they can listen to it on a walk, whatever. Right? And that's what I think is the most amazing. All right, so this is um, just a preview. Um, we're going to go into a course. I'll show you what it looks like in the actual course. But this is kind of what it looks like. Right? So if you look at the top there, I have some readings, and there's a little gauge. Right? Everybody sees the little gauge. So there's a, um, a range all right, that goes from materials that are minimally, 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 oh, you got it, right? Accessible <laughs> to fully accessible. So if I look at my gauge up there, it's red, right? Now, I want you to try and not look at it from red is bad and green is good. Right? Because what happens is there's this range here, and I'm going to show you um, some examples. And so materials can be anywhere within that range. And what it means is that that material, let's say that PDF up there, it, it is not as accessible as it could be. And the reason why um, it's helpful to take a look at these things is that when you go to um, upload new material, um, the more you know about creating accessible formats and accessible materials, then um, the more accessible the materials will be going forward. Right? So this is another example here. Right? And we're going to go into this course again. It does it for images. So here's green, here's red. So it just means that what you're going to do is you're going to click actually on the gauge and it's going to tell you the issues that it found, and it's going to give you suggestions on what to do to make that material more accessible. So again, I'm so excited about this tool. So let's just take a look at it in a course. Yeah, like here. how, 
from a practical perspective, is it that I can just write a figure caption or if I have to do an embedded tool? Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, what, what you have to do is, I think the way I look at it is it means I have to investigate, right, this document. And I wrote this document on purpose to show certain things. So I know that there's an image in this document that doesn't have alternate text. And I know that because I put it in there, right? I mean, I've never, like, that's a totally novel. I've seen it on Facebook that people try to put this in, but I didn't know if that was Yeah, so and, and for, for a student who uses a screen reader to read their documents or read the text or whatever, um, what that means is that that student is just going to get image, image. That's what it's going to say. They're going to have no idea what that is. Right. Now, if the image is completely unrelated and it's just like a cute little visual, then it, it's not that important. But sometimes, we come across this all the time, sometimes that's like something in chemistry that's essential to the actual material. Or it's a diagram or a chart that explains something that you're trying to, uh, you know, that you want to make sure that the student understands. So in that case, you really have to go in and add this alternative text that explains to the student. They're not going to be able to see the image at all. So whatever you write is exactly what they're going to get in terms of that information. So you have to you know, be as descriptive as is necessary given whatever the picture, chart, and graphic is. So you really should do it using this. So what I want to so you know, I'm sort of yep. thinking like when I get this red mark soon, as it allies on yes. the blackboard, like what my instinct would have been without knowing that there's a way to do this so that it gets tagged, I would have probably written like figure caption, blah, 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 but I can see why that's not a helpful thing to do. More helpful from the ally tool perspective if I went through this procedure. Yeah, and then once I mean once you learn through that ally procedure, I think that as you move on to creating documents, you know, from the beginning, there we go, from the beginning, then you'll know what new, you need to do. But this will help you to discover it and then correct it right there. Because I think it's overwhelming. I, if you teach three, four courses and you have a lot of course content, to me, it would be like overwhelming to all of a sudden look at the at the course and see, oh my gosh, right? All these things have red, you know, red gauges, and here I am. You know, what am I going to do? And I think that you know, the way that I would look at it is an opportunity to become more informed on how I can make my my materials more accessible, and going forward, definitely keeping those in mind as I swap out material for, for old material, as I'm revamping the course, I'm going to teach a new course, and then gradually I'm going to go back to the old content and see what I can do to make it more accessible. I just think it's overwhelming all of a sudden to say, oh, you know what, I have all this to do. Because this is a process. You know, what I didn't click on that I want to show you is what it brings up is the most, what it, what it interprets as an issue that's the most important to address. But there's other issues in this document because I put those in there, all right? So this document in particular has a lot of issues. But I did, I did um, use an example of issues that I have found in other courses. So, you know, it isn't out of the realm of possibility. Do you have a question? Yeah, so this is sounding like it's uh, pretty similar to sort of like web accessibility standards if you're handling like an HTML5 document that it is now a requirement to put in alt text and other modifications for those screen readers. But since this is reading a Word document, is this saying that the alt text needs to be in the Word document or it needs to be part of the HTML file that is part of Blackboard and Blackboard inputs information? It needs to be in the Word document. The Word document. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's I'm not sure those guidelines. 
Right. Because remember, it's going to convert it to that HTML format, right? right? So it, it needs that, that alt text in there. And the reason it's in there is because I have an image of a butterfly and a decorative image is a butterfly. And one well, thing that, oh. You no, know, I was just going to say, and all of those, the Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, they all have built-in accessibility checkers. If you haven't used them before, you can check the accessibility of the document. And it will tell you that if it's missing an alt tag or if it, you know, if there's a, a page order issue or, you know, tab order, something like that. It'll bring up those issues. But it's, again, if you're not familiar with that process and you didn't do that in the original Word document, then Ally will catch it. Right, right. And one thing that, um, and she was talking about with alt text is that I worked with a student that was visually impaired for a number of years. And she and I went through a lot of course content to see what some of the issues were. And even if the butterfly that I put in the syllabus, I put that in mainly as a decorative element. But one thing that she said to me is that, well, I don't know that it's a decorative element. Like, she wouldn't know that, right? So if you look at it and you say, some people say, oh, it's a decorative element. It doesn't need all text. Well, the problem is that this person with the screen reader, they don't know that. You know, so she would always, um, she would always turn around and say to me, um, sorry, but pay attention to the timing out here. Um, I, mean, I guess even without, you know, they're not getting the full experience of that document, and it's kind of nice to feel like I'm not missing. Yes. Almost like an inside yeah. job. So it's a picture of a butterfly. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. To not have that question right. of, is this well, something important or not? Like, yeah. just to know what it is. So, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it, seems, it might seem like, well, It is decorative, but I agree. I feel like there's a way in which you almost feel like you're not in on, on the joke or the right. you know yeah. the inside track somehow, even missing something like that. It, it doesn't have to be, so the moment we can fix it. One yeah, it's actually pretty quick and easy once you're yeah. used to doing it. Right. So let me just show so you. Be that decorative <laughs> Or that. <laughs> it's so not functional. I'm sorry? Sorry. How would you fix it then? Right. Well, all the, there's different ways to fix. Um, to add all text to a document depending on whether you have um, Office 365 or whether you have 2000 Office 2016. But it's relatively easy in general, um, and we have instructions to do this, and we'll be covering these, um, how to do some of these things in further workshops. You just right click on the, right -click on the image in general, choose format picture, um, layout and properties, I know it by heart here, and then you put in the alt text. So, do that so, this. so no. Okay, that's really a good Okay, so that's really a good question. All right, good question, good question. All right, so to fix this, all right, see what it says? It even gives you a hint down here, right? It says upload a version with alternate descriptions. So really what you have to do is go back to the original document and correct it there. So you can't, this is an information, in general, an informational tool. You have to go back to the original format and correct it. So the one thing that I thought was a little confusing that I want to make sure that you understand is even if it gives alternate formats, to the student to view, because in this case, you didn't add alt text to the image. When 
they listen to, let's say, the audio recording, it won't have the alternate text in that recording because you didn't add it to the original. So it provides alternate formats, but if there's things that make the document or the material not as accessible as it could be, then the alternate formats will not be as accessible as they could be. Does that make sense? I just, because I, I think it's a little confusing because you think, oh, well, it's providing alternate formats, so, you know, everything's good, right? Well, it is in a, it is in a way, right? But it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take the material and make it as accessible as it could be on its own without your intervention. So we have to do that process you just described. First, you would have to, right, you would have to, and see where it says here, upload a version with alternate descriptions, right? It's, it's pretty much telling you that, right? Yeah. So you could do it here, you know, if you wanted to. Or what you can do is you can just, as, norm, as you normally do when you update your syllabus, you know, uh, remove the original and upload another one. All right. So um, that's really it. Right, so if I come up here to all issues, that's when it's going to list the other issues. So what I think is kind of cool, right, is it says increase to 47%, right? So if you added the um, alt text to the images within the document, it would increase this accessibility score to 47%. Right, I think it's kind of cool, right? Also, the document, I did in the syllabus, I had it so that it was a really good example of a lot of different issues. Um, this document also doesn't have headings, right? So it's telling you that, right? Then it's telling you here that there's a table that's missing the headers. There's a lot of things that are wrong with this document as far as things that could be improved to increase um, accessibility. Um, so I just wanted to show you that it, it does come up. So you do have to click on the all issues. And this, where it says fix, when we first got this, I was like, oh, yes, we can fix it right within. But that's not really the case, okay? If you click on fix, then what it does is it bumps you back to how you can fix it. It doesn't fix it on its own. All right, sorry to say. It's not magic. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to say, but, but you know, I still think that having that information available to you and becoming more aware of cor how course materials, um, what degree of accessibility that they have and, and how to improve that, um, and having the directions right there, I think that's all really handy. So let me show you some others. Okay, so let's go down here to this PowerPoint. So this has a green, so I would think, Okay, I'm good with this one, right? So I click on the, uh, the gauge, right? And it gives me this thing that the accessibility score is 96%. I think that's really high, but it did find something, right? It says this presentation contains text with insufficient contrast, right? And when I was doing a lot of testing with this tool, I found this coming up often. So an example would be a lot of times I would see um, a black background on a slide with white text 
and then the link color was the default blue. Well, it's really hard to see that, that blue link color on the black background. Same thing with gradients. I would see a lot of people that used Blackboard templates and used a gradient. And then the link color didn't show up so well in the gradient. So what it's showing you here, what it's telling you, is that even though the accessibility score is 96%, there's still room for improvement. And that's why I wanted you to remember that that scale is just like in our classroom, you know, the, the, the types of learners that we have are, you know, are on a scale. The same thing with an accessibility of a document. It's really a scale, you know, and sometimes, you know, even a really good accessibility report, it still has room for improvement. And so, you know, you might say, well, what do I, why do I care about the contrast? Why do I care about the contrast? Well, the, the problem with that is that when the alternate formats are, um, are made available to students, sometimes the um, software can't distinguish, you know, what the, um, what that content is because the contrast is not good. So that's going back to my original point, is that um, even though it provides the alternate formats, the material has to be as accessible as possible for it to provide the alternate formats in the best way. All right, so come down here. I have just a couple more things to show you as examples. We tried to kind of hit on everything that we see. All right, so this is a PDF, right? And um, hold on just one second. Okay. Oh, it went through the thing. I was saying my sound is off. But okay, so this is an example of a PDF that Angie was mentioning that is an image, right? So this PDF itself. Um, it was probably, we all have those that are classics, right? That we have in a, in a folder in our desk that, you know, we just, um, especially on a lot of um, introductory courses, that it's a reading that we definitely want to use. But the way we originally got the document was um, through a book or a journal that was scanned. Um, and a lot of those come in as um, an image. So when the student with the screen reader goes to um, access that material, it just says image, 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 image. And they can't read the content that's actually um, within the PDF. And this is an example. Okay, so it's saying, right, what does this mean? All right, so I can come up here and I can say, okay, let's see what this means here. Right, and it's going to tell you about that, right? And then it says, as a fix, can you get hold of the original or a text-based version of this file? Because really, that's that's pretty much. Once it's an image, there are some um, there are some tools that we can put the PDF through. Um, but it's not going to be 100% as far as it does the best that it can to um, then take that content and put it into a text-based format, but it isn't always 100% um, 
accurate. So, what if you say no? Maybe what will the flow be? I don't say no. Go ahead. So now, right, because that's what we do. Okay, so if you don't have it, our our plan is to then go to the library and say, you know what, this is the citation for this article. Can we find it in an accessible format in a journal or whatever? So that's what it, that is, it's actually saying, yeah. So I just got in the habit when you open it with that Nitro PDF that we all have, it asks me to OCR. So okay. you're saying with an old thing that probably won't be good enough? Well, so do the, the OCR recognition, or I should do that as a first step, even if it's not recommending that as an option on Ally? Because I went through, like, if somebody had uploaded our 40 years with a department meeting, then I'm not reading every meeting in the 70s, so it would be OCR them, and you can search for the key words, like tenure or whatever. Right, right. Well, you know, some documents, I don't think it's, it's not as important as others, but if it's like a PDF that you feel, you know, you put that PDF up there in, for that reading for a particular purpose, or you must have, you must have um, felt that that PDF was an important reading to put it up for that course, right? So that's a little different, I think, than department reading. Oh, no, I, I'm just saying, like, oh. that was where I ran into this recently. Oh, this okay. Oh. documents that offered the option to OCR, but it sounded like you were saying that what we have, that won't be the same as doing it originally. So that's the question, right? Will it be better to OCR or something that I've yes. or to go back and re-download the original? But I would prefer, you know, I'll do whichever is optimal. Right, right. Well, you can OCR the, um, the document. I'm just saying that sometimes when it's OCR, and Angie, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not always what I found working with Jackie, is first of all, it's not always 100%. Second of all, some of the, um, the material within the PDF is very accessible, but then it does the best that it can, right? And so there were parts of PDFs that were not in the same PDF that was not accessible, that was all garbled and things like that. So I think it's always best to look for a digital copy, you know, either go back to the library and look for a digital copy that's accessible on, in, the, in the journal or whatever, but what do you think, Angie? I have not tested the accuracy of Nitro. Um, a few years ago we did, we tested three or four different products of Nitro. We didn't have Nitro at that point. So I don't really know how accessible it is. My hunch is that it's, it's made for what you said, which is just searchable text. It's not really made to make documents fully accessible. Um, so I'm guessing, I mean, some OCR is better than none. <laughs> the problem is what information is it missing or not converting into an accessible format and if that's essential information then you kind of still need that. Yeah, that's why I think it's always best, you know, and plus the thing is it's very difficult. Like when I worked with a student, I would look at the PDF and it would look fine to me. She's like, I can't, I, I, it's all garbage. And I'm like, okay. You know, so sometimes it's difficult for you when you look at the document to say, oh, okay, everything turned out great. And it's good to go. Great. I found that I couldn't do that visually myself. I just, I just, yeah, I'm trying to like sort of find like five things. Like when this comes, when I put this on our agenda at the next department meeting, I want to just be able to tell people like the, the clearest and simplest things that they could do to make their lives more accessible. Because you know they may not come to the workshop, but they will come to the department meeting. <laughs> to, to me, the best thing is just to ask for a permalink from the library. Oh, okay. Great. And it. Quick, easy, I always have really good luck. They, um, I'll provide the 
easy to do that. And then I just put the link up in the course, and I don't have to worry about anything. So that's what I would suggest, because I just think it's quick, easy, painless, um, and it's just the best all-around way um, to deal with the PDF issue. I mean, are you going to show us the different versions that the students can have access to? I am going to show you. So how am I doing for time? Am I pretty good? Yeah. I just clicked so, no again just to see what it says. Oh, okay. It did tell you any more. Okay, okay. I think um, that's pretty much it. I think I only have one more. Let's just see if I have one more. Um, so we so do, just to, we do have software in disability services that will OCR it pretty well. Again, depending on the uh, quality of the document that you have. For instance, if it's um, very old text, sometimes with a very obscure font and things like that, we'll have issues converting it. It won't work. If it's a not if it's not clean, if somebody's written in the margins and things like that, it will not convert it. Um, so there are things that can be problematic. We tried to convert a comic strip last semester for a. a a communications course, comic strips don't convert, but I did give it a shot just to see what would happen. Um, so there, you know, there's some things that cannot be converted via software; it just isn't possible. But we do have software, so if, if there's something that, you know, that a program is not available or something, you can always reach out to disability services and we can help. Okay, so this is yellow, right? So let's take a look. This is an infographic, and this last one I'll show you. All right, so what it says here is on my gauge, this is 62% accessible. It says this image contains text that is not in the alternate description. Right, and I did this on purpose. Okay, so the alt text that I added to this image was hummingbirds, and that's all that I said. All right, and so what it's saying is that there's text within the infographic that is really not reflective here in the alternate description, right? And so that's why I gave it a yellow, which I thought was pretty cool. Okay, so let me show you what the student view looks like. Now the students don't see the gauge, gauges at all. So let's take a look at that syllabus here. All right, so this is what they see, right? If they go to this, they also now see the little drop down that we're familiar with, the gray circle with the, the white chevron. And if they click on that, they have a link for alternate formats. And based on the content type, there'll be alternate formats that'll be listed here. Right? So if I want to listen to the audio, this takes um, a little bit of time. I know we're running short. So let me just show you what you would do, or what they would do, excuse me, is they would click on the format, and then they would say download, and it downloads an MP3 for their computer. So I think that's one of the, the coolest things, actually, um, because I, I would love that. Myself. I think it hits a few different things when you think about universal. So it, it, that could be helpful for students with visual disability. It can be helpful for students with reading disabilities. It can be helpful for people who have long commutes and want to study while they drive or ride the train or whatever. If you can download an audio version and listen while you go, that you know it, it really has kind of widespread appeal. I think. Okay. So I'm going to 
but that, that's awesome that that's built into the tool. So that's pretty much mirroring what they see. But again, remember that it doesn't, just because the format's available, it really doesn't fix whatever problems that were in origin. So that's it. Do you have any questions? You guys have been a little quiet. A lot to uh, digest. Yeah. So when does this become available on Blackboard? When do the faculty start using it? Amy? We're just waiting for it now. And we'll be having more workshops and everything on how to actually go in and make the documents more accessible in um, Office. Yes. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask yeah. that. Is there a document or a website or something that has a, uh, a good list and detail of like what the principles are so that as so that we can integrate it more into our workflow as we're creating materials, like a Word document? Search word, let's say ally. There we go. 
There's a lot of things up in the knowledge base articles, and we're putting more and more up all the time. So, and then I need to scroll down. Is it back up? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, there it is. So here there's a couple things. There's Ally um, for instructors, Ally for students. Let's say I click on this one. Right? And that's how I got to the knowledge base article. So there's a narr there's narrative about it, there's some videos, and there's tons of um, tutorials and everything in here. You can also Oh, can you? Okay. I just always get to the knowledge base articles this way. Anything else? Are the how-tos actually walk you through how to make the document accessible, and then you do that first, and then you upload it to Ally? You know, the interesting thing is we, we've been fooling around with this ourselves, right? And so what we've been doing is when we take a look at the document, been trying to fix as many issues as we can in the first go around, right? So we check out the issue, <clears throat> the issues, excuse me, that it identifies with Ally, making sure to go to the more issues mm -hmm. tab with the more issues um, button, and we try and fix as many issues as we can the first time, and then we upload the document again, and then we you know, see what we find. That's what I would suggest. Because it takes time to you know, keep uploading yeah. back and forth, right? And um, and again, I think the point that you have to keep in mind is you know, it can seem overwhelming, but the more you become aware of these issues, I think when you create new course materials, then the quicker it will be in the future to put up material that's accessible. So under how to document. So the first one, is that actually directions then for how to add the yeah. alternative description? Okay. So these are instructional as well. But they're, here and, and they're based by what topics you would find in Ally. Okay. Yes. Right? So this is kind of hard. So there's like a match to what it says there. So adding alternative descriptions. Yeah. And, right. So if I get a, well, it's coming up in Ally anyway, right? It'll say, what do I mean by this? Right. But if I don't feel like that's enough, I can then go into one of these and see if there's more information there that can be more helpful. Right. And maybe even give me some more step-by-step directions. Right. Okay. That does not do people know about this knowledge. Mm -hmm. it, it, articles, did you know they're in there? That's what it makes up. I feel like we pay attention to both Yeah, we pay attention a lot. I need Google to tell me to read an article. That's true. I'm just writing a note to myself. So. We are going to have more and more materials, um, tutorials and such. That'll be up there, so we're working on. We have a lot finished, but we're still working on some others. How long have these knowledge-based articles actually been up there? They're available. Amy, when did we start the knowledge-based articles? A couple of years ago, right? Yeah. I, I, it takes time for us to get them up, so we're always working on new ones. But to be honest, for me, I always go to the knowledge base um, if I want to know about a technology, because mm -hmm. some of us know more about some technologies by a single faculty member. I would bet you no one in my department knows that really? this material is even up there. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. 
you know, that's he Did anybody hear did anybody hear know that that was up there? Any of that stuff? You did. Good. Go with English. But um, I'm I'm gonna make sure I tell English.
know, a description that really completely matches up to it, you know, that's a more shortened version, at least in the narrative following it, you've, you know, described it. I don't know, Angie, what would Yeah, you no, say? I agree. And then, I mean, tables, tables can be accessible. It's just that you have to worry about, like, tab order yeah. and things like that. Um, and I don't know, which department are you at? Psychology. A psych, okay. So Mike Taylor also does stats in political science, and he's also Todd Langston, so I don't know. Maybe uh, <laughs> collaborate because he he probably knows more about how how he created his course so that it was accessible um, than I do. I just know we worked together and he you know he did it and apparently you have too um, with a, with a student being able to get through it. But it, it, it's a ch certain things are definitely more inherently challenging. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and I think the anatomy is the biology one. And I do think with Jackie, what I found that was a student that was visually impaired. It's really important to designate if something's ahead of row, because yeah. she didn't always know in a table. If you didn't designate the head of row, she didn't really know all the time if that was part of the table, like the data in the table, or whether that was a head of row showing, you know, what was going to be beneath it. So that's where she had some some issues with it. So, but Angie's right. Some. Um, you know, some tables are a little bit more complicated than others. She could actually read what was in the cell. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think what happens though sometimes is we'll find a table someplace, we'll right click, and it's really an image, it's not a true table, right? And so we'll right click, we'll save it as an image and put it in a Word document. So it's not a table, meaning made in Word, a table, but it's actually an image. And that's where a lot of well, ABA format makes you do a table, so no worries about me putting this in. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Well, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. All right.